everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream slash podcast slash video slash whatever else we do with this thing for Wednesday. Uh, it is November 24th. Uh, we're playing Foursquare today. Hi. Uh, Mike Tanier is here as always for Wednesdays. Vince Verhey is here. Derek Klassen is here. Uh, we want to thank everybody who's watching right now, whether you're watching on Twitch, YouTube, uh, whether you're watching on uh, Facebook, in the widget in the corner of the site, if you're listening afterwards on the podcast network, just a reminder to everybody to please subscribe to get all of our shows, uh, rate the show so people can find the show, talk about the show on social media. We want to thank everybody who watches regularly and everybody who comments we're doing today sort of a combo show. So we're going to do a couple of ask me anything questions, and then we're going to do our usual Thursday game previews because uh, there's no show tomorrow because it's Thanksgiving. We're not doing a show tomorrow or Friday. We'll pick back up on Monday. So um, don't forget, by the way, our big deal on FO Plus. If you have not become an FO Plus subscriber yet, uh, Scott Spratt just uh, – was declared uh, the number one alpha dog of the week for his projections for week 11. You get all the fantasy projections from Scott, all of his fantasy research tools, DVOA splits, picks against the spread, all of that, FO+. Plus. It's 99 cents a week for an annual subscription right now. So go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to get yourself an FO Plus membership. Happy Turkey Day to Todd Singer also, who wishes us a happy Turkey Day. Thank you, Todd. But before we talk about the very exciting Thanksgiving schedule, <laughs> all right, <clears throat> we have a couple questions from Twitter for the Ask Me Anything. Boone's Pacemaker asked, who do you build around if you are the Giants moving forward? Like, if the team is going to unintentionally suck for two seasons, the bare minimum team building is to identify some guys. Who are the guys? You know, this is a hard question. The answer is definitely not Saquon. Yeah. It's probably almost certainly not Daniel Jones. I think he needs a change of scenery. And, and it comes down to guys like Leo Williams, Andrew Thomas, um, uh, Dexter Lawrence. You know, when Dave Gettleman gets a hog molly, it's kind of like me buying a bottle of whiskey. He's going to overspend. He's going to spend too much money. He's probably going to make everybody mad at how much he spent, but he's going to get a damn good bottle of whiskey out of the deal. So, so that's the thing. You know, Thomas has developed into a pretty darn good player. The defensive linemen have done it. All those guys he spent in the first round, like the fifth overall pick, fourth, what? They're fine. They're good. I can't identify anybody else, and I'm not sure if anybody else has has somebody. The the only other guy I would say is uh, I really like safety Xavier McKinney. Um, okay. I think he was awesome coming out of Alabama. I think he can do a little bit of everything. I think as the year has gone on, he's gotten a little bit more comfortable being that free safety for them, really pinning down on a lot of those inbreakers that teams just love running nowadays. So um, I don't know if he's like a superstar, but I think he's like a good piece that they would be happy to keep around. I mean, there's promising guys from the last couple drafts. There's Ojolari. Yeah, yeah I, I liked him too. Darius Tony. Yeah, so, Tony I mean, the, and the problem. Slayton. Yeah, there's Slayton. He's he yeah. was a good pick. The problem is that um, the main thing you want to build around is a quarterback, and they don't seem to have 
Right. They don't seem to have a quarterback right now. They, it, it feels like Daniel Jones is just not going to be a good NFL starter. Right. And then on defense, like they don't have a quality middle linebacker. They Their cornerbacks are old. They right. have good cornerbacks, but they're older. They're not really built around guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, edge. They don't have a lot at the edge, really. Yeah, there's Ojolari, and that's yeah. like – and then older guys, and then that's it. Right. Right, an X man who's like kind of okay, and that's it. So like everything you would say, well, this is absolutely a blue chip, and yeah, we can put McKinney into that. It's all sort of trench guys, and that's all you have to show for four years. So it's not like it's a complete loss cause. It's not like the Jets two years ago or whatever. But there's not, there's just not much to hang your hat on. Going out. The biggest problem with the Giants and the Gettleman administration has been a misunderstanding yes. of positional value. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Like the players, they like, okay, so Daniel Jones did not work out, but you take a gamble on a quarterback. That's fine. I'm not going to judge them for that. But other picks, for the most part, what they've done is built around the run and stopping the run more than the pass and stopping the pass. And Barkley's pretty broken down now, but the the defensive players, like you said, Mike, are good. It's just you just took them too high. Right. And when they got those older corners and they got Blake Martinez at linebacker, it bulwarked the team. It's like, oh, look, this team is in the middle of the pack in DVOA, et cetera, et cetera. But it was all guys who are not going to be good two years from now when the team's good. So all the right. Bradbury's and other people they brought in, it's like, oh, that was nice to get you to like six and 10 last year or seven and nine or whatever they were, six and nine and one. It's not a sustainable thing. It's helping you in the future. David Needs a Nap asked us similarly. Daniel Jones probably can't play any worse than he did under Jason Garrett, but will he actually get better under a new offensive coordinator or are his issues coordinator proof? I mean, he can be better, but is he ever going to be better to the point that like he is the guy? That's kind of the question to me, because that's really all that matters, right? Is It's only matters if he gets good enough to be a top you know, 12 or whatever quarterback. And that's probably just not happening. I do think Jason Garrett runs too much, uh, it kind of just seems like they have a little bit of a grab bag offense that really asks a lot of guys to win one-on-ones and they don't, I mean, I don't think that that's really how that receiver core should be functioning. Um, you know, some of it is offensive Those... line too. Their tight end room is really weird, but like, I, I don't know. I just, he can probably be better, but he's never going to be the guy that they thought they were getting at sixth overall or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I think we were all skeptical and correct me if, if anyone wants to correct me on this, but um, I think we were all skeptical of Jones coming out. We didn't yeah. think it was necessarily the guy to pick at that point. And like Aaron said, there's, you know, taking a shot on the quarterback to the first round is not a, a dumb thing to do, but we didn't think they were going to win that gamble. And um, we're two or three years in now, whatever it is. And I don't think the evidence has proven us wrong. Yeah, I mean, you you know, my position is that you can pretty much judge a quarterback after two years that you know if they're bad or not. Like, you may not know whether they're average or good, but you know that you know who's just not going to work out. Mm-hmm. And we're now into year three, and Jones is worse in year three than he was in years one and two. I think it's time it's time to cut bait and move on. Yeah. Unfortunately, like a number of teams, they're going to have two high picks in a draft where the quarterbacks are not that promising compared to other years. But if I'm the Giants, I use one of those picks on a quarterback. Well, Gettleman's going away party will be to send Daniel Jones to the Carolina Panthers, and that'll be next year's quarterback experiment for the Carolina Panthers. Oh, no. (laughs) If Scott was here, he'd try to punch me through the screen uh, (laughs) uh, for saying that. By the way, if you don't like grab bag offenses, Derek, Freddie Kitchens is taking over as a play caller. Um, 
And it's, if you like okay, you shake your head, but when he was calling plays for Cleveland for that half a season, Kitchens' yeah. problems were all as head coach, not as offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, but that offensive line was significantly better than oh, well, hell yeah. he was going to have in Cleveland. <laughs> and I think that was like a core function of, of how that offense worked, right? It was a lot of like, you know, run to run. Uh, play action stuff. Uh, Baker was really good at like rollouts and stuff at that time, crossing routes, um, stuff like that. Whereas like, I don't really think that that's how Daniel Jones is ever going to function. I don't think, I mean, like he, he's, he's athletic, but I don't think like he's that great at, you know, as like a big rollout play action passer. So I don't know. I, I Kitchens was better as an offensive coordinator than he was as a head coach. That's for sure. But I don't know if he's a big enough upgrade over, you know, uh, Garrett to, to make it. I mean, everything's better. changing in January anyway. Like, That's exactly. The, the, let's the, be the, honest. It would be a massive upset if anybody in New York still had their, I mean, the Giants, and yeah, still had their jobs after the season is over. Okay. Yeah. Or, or if they rallied to get a playoff spot in a very weak NFC field still. I, so. I mean, that's got to be super low odds at this yeah, point. Yeah, there have to be real. I don't. Uh, I have to look up what we have it at. But hold on a second. It it's very low. Yeah, there's yeah. too many adequate teams point. right now for that. To, I mean, but never say never in the NFC. But right. I mean, there's always possibility. Nobody is completely. Even Detroit has a tiny itty 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 bitty chance. But the Giants are currently at 0.9 percent. It is not. That's even lower than I would have guessed. But yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, so so it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're, they're, so someone's going to be called plays for the next six, seven games where they have left, and then we'll all move on with our lives. Right. I think the worst possible thing for the Giants would actually be for Kitchens to make Jones look better yeah. enough to hold on for another year and not use one of those two first-round picks on a quarterback. And for Kitchens to take over as head coach. Oh, that would be even worse, yes. <laughs> um, the Eagles fan filled with glee. <laughs> Mike just likes chaos. Yes. Uh, it's fun to write about. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, here's another question, and it's sort of connected to the Saints, but I'm not going to wait till we preview the Saints game. I'll get it out of the way first. Jim Steckschulte, whose name I am probably mispronouncing, he says asks us, is it better to keep the band together for one more season when you need just about everything to break your way to remain a contender or to start the cap cleanup and pick acquisition phase a little earlier? Is this a Saints question or a Seahawks question? It was a Giants question, I think, originally. I think yeah. it was originally a Saints question because he was talking about how the Saints have everybody injured this week, and you were like, this is what the 2022 Saints will look like. Yeah, But you're right, Vince, it's a Seahawks question. Deep There's down. probably four or five other teams that could apply to as well. Yeah, um, I, and I don't see, I don't see the Seahawks as, I feel, I mean, I feel like going into this season, the Seahawks look, I mean, Wilson looked good, the offense looked good. I, I feel like they looked like contenders, and they were for the first few weeks of the season. Look at them now. Look at them Whereas now. the Saints, the Saints, we were like, you could say, you know, we think the defense will be really good, but you know, they're hanging on with Jameis, and they really need Kamara to be healthy, and they really need Michael Thomas to come back halfway through the season. And anyway, my, I'll be honest, my opinion is actually keep the band together for an, a year, for for one more year, because I feel like it is better to contend than to rebuild. Yeah. Like it's part of professional sports that you go through periods where you have to rebuild 
But you would rather be contending, and I would rather my team be contending than rebuilding. If you feel like you've got the players where if it all breaks right, you can win, win it all, you might as well see if it all breaks right. I mean, I don't want to go into a team where if it all breaks right, we're going to go nine and eight. Right. But the Saints were a team where if it all broke right, they could win it all. We thought their defense was going to be really, really good, and it has been pretty good. Very good, yeah. There was always the possibility that Winston, especially if you talked yourself into the idea that the LASIK surgery, that the LASIK surgery mattered, that Winston could be a top ten quarterback. Like the, the Saints went into the season, I believe they they felt they had a shot, not a good shot, but a shot. And I would rather take the shot than rebuild. And honestly, Winston was playing pretty well relative to like what receivers he had to deal with. He's obviously. number one in ESPN's QBR, which is a yeah. little <laughs> is a little crazy to me. But I understand what they're trying to do with that stat, and that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they just don't really have NFL receivers, and even their tight end room is like okay at best. Um, they obviously, when their offensive line is healthy, really good. Alvin Kamara is really good when he's healthy, but like they didn't really have an NFL wide receiver room, and they made you know obviously Sean Payton gets a lot of credit for this because he's a fantastic play caller. Um, but they had a functional offense with not very functional pieces at a lot of positions, which I think is really impressive. And if we assume Thomas can maybe come back next year and they can maybe add another pass catcher, like that's a pretty good offense if we assume the defense. Well, if they can afford to bring Winston back. The problem is the yeah. cap is going to slaughter them, and they just went and gave all this money to Taysom Hill. Yeah, that I don't I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I did not see one person on Twitter who was positive about that contract signing. He's. I said this on uh, on the show with Scott the other day. Taysom Hill isn't a starter at any position. Right. Like he's not your starting <laughs> quarterback, and he's not even your starting tight end. Like, no. what, where's the money going? I don't. I don't know. I don't understand it either. It's bizarre and illogical, and um, and it for that team especially. The team that is has the worst cap situation in the league. Mm-hmm. And what gets me most is he's old. <laughs> he's not going to improve. Right. That's the thing. It's not it's like this invest- is a 23-year-old kid. It's right. like you got a, 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 a 2006 Tercel in your driveway. Instead of buying a new car, <laughs> you invest in like a big giant stereo system for it, right? <laughs> the, phrase, the phrase that I use, and, you know, I don't want to be controversial, but it's a shorthand, is there are no Mormon prospects. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it's not it's but, not because of religion. It's because if you have gone and done a mission, you're coming into the NFL at the age of 25, there's not much improvement. Like there's not much improvement left for you. So I mean, it's a short. It also applies to anybody who was a fifth year senior and then took an extra year for COVID and is coming into the NFL at 25. The same thing applies, right? Like you just you can't project players like that for it for as for that much improvement because they're already coming in near their peaks. Well, let me ask you this, Vince. To take this over to the Seahawks, is this the band back together for one more year? Year or would next year be? The band together for one more year year i mean the, the the you can't answer that without being in the hallways of the building and knowing exactly how these people are actually interacting with each other it, it, right. there's a very soap opera element to it at this point i mean on paper right. um you don't every player they have you keep <laughs> you know the, 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 uh, you, you try to upgrade you you want more offensive linemen uh you really really still need more depth of wide receiver um but they have a couple of good t- uh, tight ends they have a cast of 
thousands at running back because they keep adding running backs and they all get hurt anyway. Right. Um, the, the, the you know the the, the the roster's not barren, and you right. and you and you know Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, that should be the nucleus for a very good offense. Right. Um. So no, like Aaron said, the, the, this team has ha, you. They have a shot, and right. you don't blow it up. And um, you know, it, it comes down to can can Russell Wilson work with Pete Carroll as he want to, um, and if they can't make that work. And if they end up losing Wilson, that's a fireable offense. Point blank. Period. <laughs> if you right. if you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback age, I think it's three two. Um, bye. <laughs> I don't want you running my team anymore. You know, I'm a believer in John Schneider and Pete Carroll, and they've done a lot of good things. This is a case where it may be like it was right for Philadelphia to move on from Andy yeah. Reid, even though Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame head coach. At a certain point, you reach the you reach the point where you need or to refresh in the building. Right. Yep. And it may be that it may be that Seattle needs to move on from everybody, <laughs> although you'd rather not move on from Wilson. If you had your choice, you would keep Wilson. Um but you may need to move on and maybe Pete Carroll, I mean, Pete Carroll may be too old to start over somewhere else, but Sean Schneider's not. Right. No, absolutely not. And and, that, and the, the separating Carroll from Schneider is a very difficult thing to do because they, they work so closely together. Um, yeah. So, I mean, age, frankly, is part of this. Schneider's much younger than Carroll um, and Schneider would get another job. I don't know if Carroll would, um, but it, it's, it's, yeah. Um, and and we were talking about the 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 cap issues stuff. Seattle doesn't have terrible cap issues. They paid way too much for Jamal Adams, but they're not they're not they're not in dire cap stress. Right. The problem is they want to refresh for next year. There's no first round pick. There's no first round right. pick. There's a lot of holes on defense. Yep. There was a, a topic. I know, well, I know there's a thousand other games to talk about, but there was a discussion on Seahawks Twitter this past week of who has been the best Seahawks player this year. And some people are actually suggesting Jamal Adams, and it's not silly, um, right. but the consensus was the other safety, Quandre Diggs. Hmm. So the, the, those have been the best guys for Seattle on the field um, in 2021, which is not what anyone expected coming in. And no. probably on the list, too, and Wagner is getting much older, and you can't get Wagner's getting much older, but the, the, and Wagner's got a ton of tackles, but running Wagner's backs Wagner's not catch, playing very well, I don't think. Running okay. backs catch passes yeah. and gain big yards yeah. every single week. Against Seattle. I, keep, I keep seeing Brooks, but maybe I just every time I see a linebacker. Brooks is the worst of the two. Yeah. And then, <laughs> well, that was the, pretty the, adamant. The, the, the Seattle first round curse is alive and well. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Pie, going back to Taysom Hill, says, Would you rather have money, spend money on Taysom Hill or Kyle Yuzchek? Yuzchek. Yuzchek. It's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> you know what Yuzchek's purpose is. Yeah. And he's good. He's hunger for all I know. <laughs> he probably He's good at it and it works at a reasonable price. I take Taysom. You was yeah because, because I, don't mind, things. I don't mind having a slot receiver who could be my emergency quarterback, but not at these prices, not with these expectations, etc. Right, I would rather have that than a fullback. Ryan used him as slot receiver though. Huh? They're not using him as a slot receiver. He didn't play any snaps last week. Right. I kept looking over the injury report. Like, why didn't he play against the Eagles? Simeon was a mess until the fourth quarter like he normally is. No one was open. Why don't they run a couple of Wildcats and see if that gets somewhere? Why don't they put him in the slot? And they just didn't use him. And my brain said, oh, they are finally done with Taysom Hill. Nope. 
<laughs> so I have no comprehension of what the logic is behind this. Ryan Cragen asks us, why do you all think there has been a bit of a lull in quarterback play quality lately in relative terms? And does this correlate to the lack of a single dominant team? I don't know if there's really been a lull in quarterback yeah. play. I think it's just that that every everybody's had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, been the best guys have just happened over, you know, the past five weeks have had a couple of bad games. But I don't think generally it's like a big – I mean, there's like a couple of teams, you know, like the Chiefs and the Bills, the two high stuff. But that to me is not even so much an issue of like quarterback play being stymied. I think that's just a lot of like these teams can't run the ball. And when you don't have an answer – to when teams are going too high, then it's obviously going to hurt your entire offense. And your passing game is obviously part of your entire offense. So I think that's really all it is to me. I, I, I think it's also a, I think it's a, a, a fallout from the fact there are no dominant teams this year, which is definitely true. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of good quarterbacks. It may just not be the quarterbacks people are expecting. Wilson has struggled. Uh, Mahomes had a, the roughest patch of his career, although right. he seems to have played his way out of that. Um, Josh Allen has un, has not has uh regressed uh lamar jackson's kind of been up and down it's been brady that's been great it has been uh stafford it has been her cousins her cousins um and and when he went yes with the obvious exception of brains we were expecting to be great this year but there's still a lot of good quarterbacks i think the bar has been set so high in the past two three years um that when you know two interception games happen guys this is one of those things. Why to piggyback? Why are two high safeties suddenly baffling so many good offenses? It's not baffling. It is a meme. It is a bunch of people who just discovered that if you run the stats for two high safeties, you're going to get worse passing stats because you're almost always looking at third and long situations and other situations that are obvious passing downs. So, I mean, I'll turn it over to you, Derek. I'm sure you have a more nuanced answer than that. But this is so much largely an internet meme that has gotten out of control, in my opinion. I mean, I think it's just a lot of the uh, a function of how offenses work. Because when we were living in this one high world mm-hmm. um, over the past seven years or whatever, going back to the Legion of Boom, like those defenses are designed in such a way that you're going to struggle with play action and deeper shots because you just have fewer bodies back there. They are trying to defend the run and they are trying to not give you stuff underneath. They're going to rally and tackle that sort of thing. Right. When you are playing too high, the the answer that you're supposed to have as an offense is to be able to run the ball and mm-hmm. to be able to function in quick game. And part of the reason that I think we're seeing some of these offenses that have been prolific in the past struggle with that is like, you know, the Chiefs, they don't run the ball very well. Um, they, they have been a good quick passing offense, but they yeah. haven't been as much this year. I think that's like losing Sammy Watkins kind of hurts that sort of thing. Um, but with like the bills, like Josh Allen, isn't to me a very good, uh, quick game passer. I know no, that in the past he's had, numbers. even though it's got Beasley, he's, it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, that's like the only thing they have is it's, it's Cole Beasley choice routes. Like that's all they have in the quick game and they can't run the ball. And so like, when you just don't have an answer for the thing that very clearly beats these two high structures, you're just going to struggle as an offense. And football is cyclical. So now we're in this period of two high safeties. Offenses will develop to offenses will develop to attack them, and then we'll go back to cover three. Right. Everything is cyclical. It's not like there are no offenses to attack cover two, as Derek says. I mean, this is the one. This is what high school runs. You know, you just yeah. You have to execute on it. And yeah, you're right though. You say with Josh Allen. It doesn't look like his throwing style is also really conducive to running a, a quick game thing. I mean, he, he wants to take that deep set. He wants to have a little bit of a long 
release and go. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, the cyclical point is great because like a lot of these offenses that were good, you know, over the past three, four years, they were built to beat these one high structures. Um, and, and, you know, some of them were um, maybe the run, run, play action where you're trying to get them out of too high and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or you just had um, where you're the Chiefs and you're just attacking deep all the time. But like when you build your offense to beat these one high structures and teams stop doing it because they realize, you know, the offenses are too good at it then you kind of get the reverse situation where these offenses that are better at quick game, better at running the ball can be a little bit more efficient. Yeah. We were talking right before we came in the air about how next week, uh, next year's rookie class is supposed to be strong at tight end. The ultimate cover two beater is the tight end post route. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe that'll, that, that will cause, you know, fit in with the next defensive revolution. (laughs) We'll get to head checkers. Five bitches. Brady having an amazing season. We'll get to Brady when we get to Tampa Bay. Let's talk some about the games. Let's start with Thanksgiving. The note I wrote here is let's start with the three Thanksgiving games. Mostly the third one. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So really quick, Chicago at Detroit, Mike Carlson jokingly asked us if Andy Dalton could be made player coach of the bears. And if he would, would he have a quarterback controversy to settle? I can picture Andy Dalton benching himself. I I don't know how much I trust. I don't mean to diss on Patch. I don't know how much I trust Patch to be the like breaker of football news rather than Ian Rappaport. <laughs> Good point. So I don't know how much I trust the idea that this is Nagy's last game. I don't see what the Bears gain by cutting Nagy and mid- by firing Nagy in midseason. Just wait till the end of the year. I don't know what's going on in the room there, but that whole thing with the headset last week was just kind of, it's almost like, how do you, how do you make sense of that? How do you make sense that this guy is still your leader, et cetera? You're right. I don't know what you gain, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I live on the West coast. So the game is at nine 30. I don't think I've ever seen a Detroit lions Thanksgiving game start to finish in my life. We're always baking or driving somewhere, but, um, I was thinking about would this game be worth watching, and it occurred to me, if you're if you're a Nagy, won't you do anything crazy to try to save your job at this point? Or if you've given up and you're gone, do something crazy because why not? Well, he's starting the better quarterback. I mean, I'm gonna be really blunt right now. Yeah. Okay, not for the future, not when it comes to potential. When it comes to right now, Dalton is the better quarterback than Fields. I know Fields had a good game two weeks ago. But Nagy won't. If Nagy won't build an offense for Fields that takes to Fields' strengths, right now Dalton is the better quarterback. You're more likely to win. And by the way, cover with Dalton at quarterback. I think you just answered. <laughs> what, you just answered the "what do they gain?" question. Oh, is that if they fire Nagy, they can bring someone who actually will develop something for Fields? They can start the process of not playing this game. We're like, oh well, you go to the back of the bench, Fields, while this guy goes and yes. tries to save his job. They, they won't leave Fields to rot on the bench for the next six weeks. Right. Fields also has a rib injury, right? Yeah. He hasn't been benched for Dalton. He's, yeah. it's, it's, they've sort of stumbled into playing the better quarterback. Right. Um, I picked this for ESPN's best bets column, actually. Picked Chicago. The line was three and a half. It's now three. So we do tend to pick games on these preview shows. I would go with Chicago minus three. Same. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> no, with, with, with the Lions are just so bad now. The Lions are bad, and their quarterbacks hurt too. And that kid's yeah. that Boyle kid is a mess. I mean, it yeah. looks like Goff is like fifty-fifty. 
I really like Chicago <laughs> if it's Boyle. I like Chicago anyway if it's golf, but I really like Chicago. Boyle, if you look at his college stats, what the hell is he doing in the NFL? He's got to have the worst college stats of anybody yeah. to start an NFL oh. game. Like, it's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Taysom Hill yeah. wasn't even a More interceptions than touchdowns at a mid-major. Yeah. Um, Las Vegas at Dallas. Uh Dallas much, much higher than Las Vegas in DVOA yeah. right now, uh, despite the fact that Las Vegas is, what are they, like five and five? Yeah. Um, oh, they're seven. They got seven wins. Oh, sorry, Vegas, Vegas, Vegas is five and five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Like what? What happened? What okay, when did I miss um, those? No, my, my, Dallas, my is fourth, Dallas is fourth and Las Vegas is 23rd. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting about this is the Dallas offense is much better passing than running. I don't think people would think that because right. Elliott and Pollard had some good games early. Uh, but Vegas's defense is better against the run than the pass, so I'm I'm sure Prescott will pass all over them, and they'll figure out a way to get Max Crosby blocked. Yeah. yeah. I, I... Vegas is like they are pretty good at rushing the passer, and they're pretty good at a move-the-sticks type offense. Those are pretty good. So they're like Bs or C-pluses at those things. If those things don't work and they haven't worked in recent weeks – They've got nothing else. They're very weak in every other element of the game. So I don't I don't see them stacking up in a, in a meaningful The one game. thing I point out, Dallas's defense, number one against short passes, yes. number 27 against deep passes. So come on, Deshaun Jackson. This is your time to shine. Let's do it. That's, that sounds like the Trevon Diggs uh, coin flip is what's going on. There's a, little, there's a little bit of that, I think. And their safeties, I mean, are not – yeah, really, really like their I've been writing about uh, the Cowboys off and on for close to a decade now, and 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 secondary has always been their weak point. This may be as good as it's ever been since I've been affiliated with football outside. I think it. I think it is. I mean, Trevon Diggs is having Trevon Diggs will get consideration for Defensive Player of the Year, no question about it. Right. Right. Um, the best of the Thanksgiving games, the one after we've all eaten. Uh, well, we should pick first. What do you guys think if it's Dallas minus eight? Oh, it's right on the line of my enthusiasm. I'm That's still going crazy. Dallas. Still I'm, going still, I'm still going Dallas with that one. I, I'm riding I think, with you, Vince. Let's go Dallas. Yeah, the, yeah I'll Vegas go has Dallas. been hanging around and pulling an upset here and there for half a year. But yeah, I'm my not. biggest thing is not knowing what the psychological ramifications of what's going on in Las Vegas are for those players. Yeah, yeah. I guess I would lean towards Dallas, too, even at minus eight. But that's I wouldn't want to put money on it. Yeah, fair, that's kind of fair. Happen. Also, injury report on Lamb and some other people will need to know that. Yeah, in. there's definitely yeah some injuries on the Dallas side where we right. want to know what the health is before we before you put any money on this game. Right, right. Uh, Buffalo at New Orleans. Uh, we have a graphic for this one because this one matters. Buffalo makes the playoffs 86 percent of the time if they win, and I can't believe that they could be. I mean, 61 percent if they lose. New Orleans 60 percent would they win. 32% when they lose. This is the number one defense versus the pass this year, Buffalo, against what is still the number one defense against the run in New Orleans, even though Philadelphia completely sliced and diced them last week. Right. I was shocked because I checked the DVOA, and it was still a negative DVOA, which is good, against the run, against the Eagles. Uh, but it was lower. It was like it was real close to average. Right. But they just ran – and ran, and ran, just kept, right, right. Just kept running. Right. So I, I think everything is cracking in, in, in New Orleans right now. 
Um, where they, I mean, they, they, I, I think it's still very good defense, but they've they've got to be so perfect all the time that you're finding the cracks in it. And the offense yeah, already is so many injuries. With Ramchick is now out, and Kamara is probably going to be out again. Right. Uh, Teron Armstead, and then the guy who is backing up Teron Armstead, I think, is out too. I'm not sure Troutman's available, and he was Troutman's out. Troutman's out. Jesus. Yeah, I watched them in the first half against Philadelphia last week, and we talked about Philly's run game, but that offense was like, that's got to be the worst offense in the league right now. Maybe not if you look at DVOA, DVOA will say different because of the early season stuff, but they couldn't do anything. Right. Who, the New Orleans? New Orleans, yeah. yeah. And uh, they got beat up uh, by a running attack last week, led primarily by a rushing quarterback, and now they're playing Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So that could be a bad matchup for them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm I am having a hard time. As good as that defense is, I'm having a hard time imagining where New Orleans gets another win this year. They look terrible. I, I still really think the New Orleans defense is, is very good, despite what happened last week. Right. Um, I think like the difference between this week and last week is like Philly's offensive line might be the best in the league right now. Like they are playing out of their minds, and Buffalo's is not very good. No, um, no they, that's they, a weakness. Yeah, they cannot and do not want to run the ball. And, like, Josh Allen can Daryl Williams last week looked uh, awful at right tackle. Yeah, and, like, Deion Dawkins is not playing well. Their interior is – like, they just don't have dudes right now. Um, So I think the New Orleans defense is going to be able to play a lot better. Um, The thing is, I think, you know, Buffalo's defense is obviously going to be able to play very well against, like Vince said, maybe the worst offense in the league right now. I mean, Trevor Simeon looked abysmal last week. Um, like unrosterable level of bad to me. Um, so assuming he's going to be the starter again, like I just don't see how this New Orleans Saints moves against a Bills defense that, you know, even though they gave up like a, a billion touchdowns to Jonathan Taylor, I think they're still mostly pretty good. Yeah, they're still the number one defense by DVOA despite the, all the inconsistency. I just, my problem is just, I mean, Buffalo, is, I, I don't know who they are. I was a huge Buffalo believer. And after the Jacksonville game and now this week, it's like they are – like I said, the most inconsistent team we have ever measured, yeah. and a lot of it is offense. Like, that offense is 18th now. Like, all the regression has come for Josh Allen. Like, regression for Josh Allen never meant that we thought he was going back to where he was in 2018 and 2019, but it was like, but this is more regression than I expected. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I-, I will say to me it's like an offense has to be able to run the ball or quick game. Like, you have to have one of the two. And then you also have to be able to throw intermediate or deep. Like you have to have one of those two in, in each category. They cannot do either of the first two. They can't run the ball and they can't throw quick. So like you're banking on this offense that is just like Aaron said, insanely inconsistent because you're just banking only on the deep stuff where at least last year, like they ran the ball a little bit better and were a little bit better at quick game that they could get away with some of this other stuff. Saints are 32nd against other wide receivers they do not have the most depth at corner. If they can't get the ball to Beasley regularly in this game, then the, the, the Buffalo offense has real problems. Right, right. And I think we're going to see, maybe we'll see a little more of the Josh Allen option game. It get work for Jalen Hurts and his running backs. You can do that there. When they were trying to use that against the Colts, it was a penalty every time. And that's the extra element of this. It's like somebody was offside, somebody held. And so that's this extra layer on top of the Bills. And all this inconsistency, part of it is, they're not being playing a very clean game right now. Uh, the line on this has moved to Buffalo minus six and a half. It was four and a half originally, but with all the Saints injuries, it's now yep. Buffalo minus six and a half. 
I got to be honest, given how inconsistent Buffalo is, like I know what you guys are saying about the Saints offense. I'm not going to tell you that I've watched them over the last couple of weeks because I haven't. Good for you. I would go with New Orleans plus six and a half. Well, would this be the worst Bills loss of the year? Probably not. <laughs> Jacksonville was worse. Um, so I, I understand your point, but if you're just thinking – Taking the the body of work from what we've seen at Buffalo, and you know they're, they're well Buffalo. Well, Buffalo has crushed some really bad teams this year. They also lost to a really bad team, um, so I understand your hesitancy. But um, the Saints on offense are really really the best defense in the. Uh, the Bills are playing acres on offense. The Saints don't. Uh, so uh, while I understand your hesitancy and your reluctancy, I'm, I'm easily easily taking the Bills and laying the points. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Bills are going to score 30 or anything, but the Saints might not score anything. Like, I don't think a shutout would even be that surprising to me. I think the Saints... No, given the quality of the Bills defense this year and Simeon at quarterback, no, it wouldn't be a shot. And so, like, the Bills really just have to do literally anything on offense to win the game. So I think I kind of feel good about that part. Same game parlay. Bills money line and the under, as Derek is talking Mm. about. Good call. Together in a parlay, plus 160 right now available. That's what I'm leaning towards as I look at this one. I like that because, I mean, the reason I'm going Saints with the plus 6.5 would be more of a cover than a win. But Right, right. That's the thing. I want to insulate. Could be a, six, a, a six zero. <laughs> could be a 6-0. Yeah. It could be a 13-10 to 10 or a 20, you know, like a 19-16. to 16, And I want some insulation, so money line. We're really doing a great job of selling this game for the NFL, by the way. Woo! <laughs> I can't job. wait now to watch Bills and Saints. <laughs> If you're watching okay. the podcast, you're watching those games. Come on. Man. Let's move on to Sunday where there are a ton of games between yes. two teams with winning records, but we're not going to cover all of them. But I've got five of them down for us to get through in the next 25 minutes. Speed round. Let's start with 1 o'clock, the most important game of the week, as Sal Palantonio always says, because I will be there. <laughs> at New England. This is the biggest game for Super Bowl odds, for playoff odds. The Patriots get in 97% of the time when they win, 83% when they lose. Uh, and oh, we have this uh, revert. We have the graphic reversed, unfortunately. The Titans are 99% when they win, 94% when they lose. But more importantly is the number one seed. The Patriots win the number one seed 36% of the time if they win this game and only 6% if they lose it. The Titans get the number one seed 52% of the time if they win this game, mm-hmm. and only 13% if they lose. I just looked at the variance stats. Yeah. Because I we knew we spoke about Buffalo. I assumed that Tennessee would be up there. New England has more variance than Tennessee. Yeah, that's the early season games. That's things like letting the Saints slaughter them early in the season. And then that's also the fact that their Cleveland, the Cleveland game is the second highest game of the year for anybody. So when you look at like having the Saints game way down here and the Cleveland game way up here, you end up with a lot of variance. Yeah, and I would have, I would have thought the Tennessee had the same thing going on here, where you know they have uh, some the, the Seahawks win early and some good wins early, and then all this, and then this Rams win, which I know probably wasn't great in DVOA, and then what happened last week, which was not. I'm scared by how much I like the Patriots in this game. Like, I'm worried that I'm being – like, there's a the little subconscious homerism. I'm trying to only go by the numbers. But, I mean, the Titans have just – the Titans have been, compl- like, not as good as their record all year. Right. And now they're a total mass unit. 
Yeah. I mean, A.J. Brown, they're not sure if he's going to play. Oh, God. Julio is out. Marcus yeah. Johnson is now done for the season. Oh. So you're, you're talking – if A.J. Brown doesn't play, you're talking about their receivers being Westbrook Akine, Des Fitzpatrick, and Chester Rogers. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's – that's that's an, and, and, and a running back. If Brown does play, J.C. Jackson will be on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> J.C. Jackson is maybe the best cover corner in football. Outside of I think he definitely needs an all-pro consideration this year. Yeah. If I'm an all-pro right now, I think I'd go Ramsey and Jackson. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's just out of his mind. Like, he, he's – like, Ramsey's a better tackler, maybe better zone eyes, whatever. But, like, one-on-one, man-to-man, Jackson is as good as anybody. He's Kyle good. Lutz, by the way, asks if we're taking questions. We're doing previews, but we will absolutely take questions from anybody watching right now. Just – Bring us questions in the chat. We'll hit them after we talk about Patriots and uh, and Titans. We'll take your questions. This is either if, going if, to be a this is either going to be a bloodbath or it's going to be Rams stuff, or it's going to be two pick sixes, two near pick sixes in the first quarter. Yeah, Who has I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to envision what a Tennessee win looks like, and the only thing I can imagine is if Ryan Tannehill goes crazy um, and big plays with arm and legs and. He's never done that as much as I thought he could um, and probably should, honestly. Um, so, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty strong New England lean as well. I feel like the Titans win, what it would look like, is Matt Jones disintegrates. Yes. Yep. He's still a rookie. Like, he's the best of the rookies. Mm-hmm. He's been very good overall for a rookie compared to rookies of the past. Mm-hmm. But he's still yes. a rookie. Like, I could absolutely see a situation, yeah. like against the Saints, mm-hmm. where he disintegrates with the help of Jonu Smith letting balls go off his hands or something. And, like, if Tennessee's going to win, I think that's how it happens because the Patriots' defense is so good right now, and the Titans' mm-hmm. offense is missing is missing so many guys. Yeah. Um, oh, Jeremy McNichols, by the way, this could be a big Jeremy McNichols. Those days, the one weakness of the Patriots' defense is running backs as receivers. Is he back? Okay. Is he healthy? I believe McNichols is has back and healthy. Yes. Okay, because it was concussion protocol, so I wasn't. Was he in concussion protocol? It's another guy then that they might be missing. I mean, that's the the Titans are a wreck right now. Dontre will be starting at running back for the Tennessee Titans this week. (laughs) Danny Pavlovic says, "Would you take Dallas or New England in Survivor leagues this week? Which would you prefer, Dallas against Vegas or New England against Tennessee?" New England. New England. New England. I mean, New England to me might – the Chiefs are looking a lot better now. They're they're starting to sort of figure things out on both sides of the ball, so maybe they're the best team in the AFC. But the, the Patriots to me at least feel like the most consistent at this point or the most reliable. Like, they to me – I know I think, you know, the Bills are number one in DVOA on defense, but to me the Patriots have the best defense in football. Um, their run defense is just unbelievable, and they obviously have some – uh, J.C. Jackson is one of the best cover corners. They've gotten some good play out of some other defensive backs, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. They have like the best defense in football. And Mac Jones has looked mostly better and better each week. Um, you know, he is still a rookie, but like he's looked really impressive to me. And I think they're figuring out what they want to be on offense. Offensive line is better and healthier. So I don't know. I just this team is insane, man. I really like him. All um, good. I'm, no, I'm glad it's not just me. I will also add, if you don't do the Patriots this week, you're not going to use them until week 17. If you don't use Dallas this week, you still have two Washington games and a Giants game coming up. Well, don't sleep on Washington, but you can definitely use them in the Giants game. Yeah. It's <laughs> been a little feisty lately. Um, 
so I guess I favor New England too. I'm, I'm, I really like New England in this game. Like I'm going to be very disappointed if they lose this game. I I, I will be surprised, and I and I, and I like kind of you know needling Patriots fans and things like that. This should be a win. This should be like I feel much more confident about this game than I do about the Bills. The week after. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant the Bills against the Saints. Like ah, that's yeah. very similar. It's in my opinion. Um, so are we all on Patriots minus six and a half? Yes. Yeah. 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 Kyle Lutz asks, "What's your favorite Thanksgiving pie?" Pecan. I mean, all of the above. You like them all? I, I'm a huge pie fan. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily Thanksgiving pies. My favorites would be either cherry or uh, blueberry. But uh, we're going to have apple. We're going to have cherry. We're going to have pumpkin. Um, so, And I intend to uh, sample all three. Were these wife confections? Because uh, she's a bit of a baker. No, uh, my, my wife, uh, we were discussing this. My, my wife's had some health issues. She's doing great. She's doing great. Um, but she's coming off of surgery. So she did all her seasonal baking actually before her surgery. She was the at cookie after cookie after cookie after cookie. Um, <laughs> so we have a couple of frozen pies we've gotten. And uh, my mother-in-law makes her uh, pumpkin pie from scratch every year. Awesome. My girlfriend makes an apple pie with cranberries in it. That's oh, my yeah. favorite for Thanksgiving. Nice. nice. My my wife has continued my mother's tradition of making a pecan pie for me and for my son for our birthdays, which happen to fall right on Thanksgiving. Ah. Derek, your pie of choice? Not too uh, not too fancy on any of them, to to be honest. So you're not a pie, I, I, huh? Not really. I think who who was it? Was it was it Mac Jones or something that said he? Yeah. I don't remember who it was that it's said Mac they Jones. weren't a big pie guy either. But you know, I guess you know. And Mac Jones that, was I don't like pies. Matt Judon was I don't like mac and cheese. That's right. That's what I was getting confused. That's what I was getting confused. Yeah. Thank you. This is why Pizza uh, is technically a pie, by the way. That's an acceptable answer. But it's not really a Thanksgiving pie. <laughs> no, I suppose not. No. Uh, Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. Tampa Bay obviously is pretty much in. The playoffs. The Colts make the playoffs 80% of the time with a win, 53% of the time with a loss. So let's talk about the big controversy, which is who should be the most valuable player in the National Football League. I kind of went off on Twitter this week with my belief that despite the fact that he had an awesome game against the Bills, Jonathan Taylor should not be the MVP. I'm not here to try to make you, because I know you have a vote, to ask you to vote for him. I'm not going to try and change your mind on that. I'm not going to ask you to even endorse him. But I ask you to consider the possibility of not campaigning against Jonathan Taylor and not <laughs> having this, that, it's, that, it's a, that it's a wild and crazy idea that he should be a candidate. Yeah. Let, let me stipulate that the issue here is can a running back be MVP? Because if a running back was going to be MVP, it's hard to imagine one having a better season than Jonathan Taylor, unless it's Adrian Peterson 12 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Taylor is fantastic, having a fantastic season. And in any stat that attempts, like I, one of the reasons that I gave was the block blocking is a big part of what a running back gets his stats, right. right? The running back is more dependent on blocking and scheme than other positions are. Mm -hmm. But stats that do attempt to separate the running back from the blocking are really freaking good for Jonathan Taylor. So I will stipulate that the question is, 
can a running back be MVP? It's not Taylor. Okay. And, and if the logic now is, well, an above average quarterback, even a slightly above average quarterback is better than the best running back that we can imagine, then we have no choice but to reward above averageness based on the formula. I, I don't, I don't like that logic. Like, like, obviously like right now, if I had a vote, it would be Tom Brady. And I have a feeling that on Monday that Taylor will get shut down because they have a great run defense there and Brady will have another good game and that'll be it. But I don't like the idea of saying, well, okay, Jonathan Taylor is going to lead the league in scrimmage yards, which is what he is right now by like 200 and yeah. lead the league in total touchdowns. But you know what? Kirk Cousins is the MVP because everybody had kind of a down year but he didn't, and, and so, you know, and just based on the fact of, like, the cast system of him being a quarterback. Well, I guess part of the question is, how do you define most valuable player? Is it the most valuable player? Right. Or is it the best player compared to the average at his position or the replacement level of his position? Right. And I, I, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think to me, it, a lot of it comes down to with Taylor specifically, and I don't, I don't even know that I would make the case that he's the MVP. Like, to me, it's probably Brady. Um, or like Dak, even though he's had a couple of bad weeks or whatever. Right. To me with Taylor, it's that running backs typically are not like the system for an offense or like the reason they function, mm -hmm. but Taylor is. And this is this was also true with Derrick Henry. Like they are the reason the offense functions the way that it does. You build the whole ship around what they do. Um, and it's not even just like what he does on like a down to down. You know, he can get seven yards when there's five, whatever that stuff. He does do a really good job at that. It's that they build their entire play action game off of all that he does. And he's also their explosive play guy. Like they design runs specifically so that he can hit home runs. And he does. He has like six 30 plus yard runs. This year. Oh, awesome. And no open other running back like game. number one or something. Yeah, he, it's probably not even close. Like he, he's the guy hitting home runs. And maybe if Henry was healthy, he could be up there too. But like. It's that he is as consistent a runner as you can find in the NFL, and he is hitting a bunch of explosive plays, and they built the whole ship around Jonathan Taylor doing what he does and Wentz hitting P.I. balls. Like, that's the offense, and it's so critical that Taylor functions the way he does, and I think there's only a handful of running backs who could be as good as him in this system. Maybe, like, Nick Chubb. Um, even Derrick Henry's, like, a different runner, so I don't even know if he could do it here. Like, he's just a special player. Um, at a very special time for, for this structure, structure of the offense. I wrote about Taylor and Quick Reads this week and, and essentially laid out his MVP case. And a lot of people took, he's laying out the MVP case. That means he would vote for Taylor for MVP, which is not the same thing. Right um, Right, right now, I would vote Brady. But let, let, let's play a little make-believe. Let's play what if. Let's say Taylor continues to go crazy. His individual numbers are great. And to close of this season, the Colts get wins over Tampa Bay. They get a win over New England. Uh, they got a game against Arizona. Maybe if they win all these games because of Taylor, now suddenly we're talking about a first-place team. Now we're talking about maybe a high seed in the playoffs, and he's their best player. That's the, that's the thing to me is the Colts are 6-5. and five. And, 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 and that's the classic running back thing. Is no matter how great your running back is, is if he's your best player, you're usually not going to be much more than a 500 team. Um, so if the, if the Colts start winning these games against these very good teams that are left on their schedule, and it's because of Taylor, I think it's a very reasonable scenario to vote for him. It's just hard because passing is so much better than rushing and more important than rushing. There are 20 teams that have a higher pass DVOA than the Colts right. run DVOA. Right. Like it is just, the passing is just, it's a combination of the running back being more dependent on his blockers and scheme than players at other positions. And passing is just so much more important than rushing. And 
two things I'll give as examples of why, if you think of the words as most valuable, I just can't do a running back. One is if the Colts could trade Taylor for Kyler Murray tomorrow, they would do it. Right. Like even if you told them the world is going to be hit by a meteor at the end of 2022, so you only get one season from this player, you would you would trade Taylor for Brady, you would trade him for Murray, you would trade him for Jackson, you would trade him for Russell Wilson. Um, what uh, the other thing is lines in Vegas, quarterbacks move lines, Rogers would move a line five or six points. Taylor, maybe one. Right, but how have the lines moved for the Titans over the last couple of weeks without Derrick Henry? Well, I don't know. See, the thing is, I don't know how much the the, the right. Vegas has analytics that are similar to DVOA that also say the Titans are overrated. Right. And, and I'll, I'll say this. It's like there's a well, difference. Keep talking, by the way. Okay. There's a difference. They say he's gone. He's gone. There's a difference between – like the value in terms of who you're going to build your team around, who's going to be there next year, who's going to be the next year. I look at awards differently. I look at a, an award, not necessarily saying what could happen potentially, what happens under these scenarios. It's kind of like what did happen. And like you say, Derek, this year, what has happened so far is that the Colts have stayed viable, have stayed in the playoff line. And what you're saying, Vince, is that they could, or they, for this argument to make sense, they have to still keep doing that and win some of these games. That's what happened. Okay, so yes, I would trade for Kyler Murray in a heartbeat. It doesn't change the fact this season, what has happened so far is that Murray has been hurt, so that has nerfed his value. These other guys have had on and off weeks until now, and that's why it's like the potentiality that Jonathan Taylor should be considered has to be considered. I mean, I agree with you that what happened matters. For That's why with Hall of Fame, for example, I feel that Terry is a Hall of Famer right. because – it doesn't matter how replaceable kickers are in general or the fact that clutch kicking is not predictive. Yeah. He made the clutch kicks. They happened. Right. Um, Hitchhiker's Pie says, Wentz being injured hurts the Colts more than Taylor being injured, which makes it hard for me to consider him. <laughs> no comment. I mean, and I guess, Todd, but... <laughs> says, says, think of all the intangibles we ask from a quarterback, leader of the huddle, PR duties, audibles at the line, et cetera. Running back obviously doesn't have to do any of that stuff. I mean, okay, then, I mean, where do we go from here from that, you know? I I feel like at this point the MVP is the quarterback award and offensive player of the year is the everybody else award. Yeah, but then by your logic, since quarterbacks are so much more valuable, shouldn't offensive player of the year, the best offensive player of the year? I feel like they should actually put it in the rules that offensive player of the year is for everybody else. Right. I mean, because if you get right down to it, comeback player of the year, if quarterbacks are so much more valuable – their comebacks are more. Well, we're going to have this argument about uh, rookie of the year. Right. Who's who is rookie of the year? The most valuable rookie, right. or the best rookie compared to the average of this position? If it's the latter, then the answer is either Jamar Chase or Creed Humphrey. If it's the former, okay. it's Mac Jones, and it's not close. It right. might be Rashawn Slater. Slater is pretty insane. <laughs> I said that on Twitter, and everyone came back with me with the idea that Humphrey is having a better season than Slater is. He's really good, but Rashawn Slater. I mean, I think if even if we're doing the the position valuable thing, like left tackles are. I don't know. I think I would take a better left tackle over over someone like Humphrey. I mean, Humphrey's great. Don't get me wrong. But Chiefs have Slater's. a large fan base, and the Chargers have no fan base. So. But if you're doing it on value, then it's no question. If it's the most valuable rookie, yeah. then Mac Jones is the rookie of the year. Like, there's no question about it. 
But if it's the best player compared to the average of the position, now it's not Mac Jones. It's either Chase or Humphrey or Slater. Mm -hmm. Maybe Kyle Pitts, probably not. And that's where we go back now to the semantics of the name of the award. And most of the player has value in it. So I, I like, so I get that. Every sport has these arguments, by the way. They've had these arguments in baseball yes. too. How can Shohei Otani be the most valuable player when the Angels don't make the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, right. And, and the, the sports leagues, there's a reason they don't lay out uh, uh, tangible, concrete guidelines for this stuff. They want people like us to debate it and yep. thus <laughs> give them more coverage. So it's a feedback loop, I guess. But So if it said most outstanding player, See, that's different, isn't it? <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> then about the best player compared to the average of his position. Then there are years where you would vote for Justin Tucker. True. Yeah, but I mean, but that's not what outstanding. There was a year four or five years ago where Justin Tucker, where like literally the Ravens could not score touchdowns, and Justin Tucker was insane. I don't remember what year it was, but this was before I had an actual MVP vote, but ESPN did a polling of who are your top five MVP candidates from their various experts, and I actually put Taylor Feth. I mean, I I put Tucker Feth. But I don't know if that's... That that sounds like a lot of years when they cannot score touchdowns and needed Tucker to kick field goals. It may have been the last last Flacco year before they drafted Lamar Jackson. That's what Hitchhiker's Pie is saying. He's saying it's 2016, which would have been that year. But frankly, he could have said 2011 through 2017. Yeah, it could have been a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are your thoughts about the game? Now, we've talked about the MVP. We've talked about the – what about we thought about this game where uh, the Tampa Bay is favored by three on the road? Buccaneers are going to smoke them. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the Muppets for the Colts? Muppets for the Colts. And then we won't be talking about Taylor probably in two weeks. But that's that's my thought probably. right now. I'm looking I up actually, right now. Tampa Bay is rush defense. Not as, not as dominant as I would have thought. Tampa Bay is only fourth in rush defense DOA, DVOA. Um, so and Vita Vea will be back for this game. Vita Vea missed last week. Well, that'll help. That will help. But uh, there's few teams in position to shut down Jonathan Taylor like Tampa Bay is. And if ta- Jonathan Taylor is shut down, I don't think Indianapolis can do very much. And I, 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 I think Tom Brady is much better than uh, uh, Carson Wentz. <laughs> so I know. Hot, hot take. Hot take. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very confident Tampa Bay puts this away and, uh, we've had our fun with Taylor and the Colts here and they'll kind of fade away to mediocrity, which may still get them a playoff berth, but, um, their, their, their relevant period is coming to a close. Todd Singer points out the Colts did not look good two weeks ago against Jacksonville. No, it was a block kick early and like one drive early and then they sat on it and Carson kept trying to make mistakes and Jackson was like, no, we don't want your mistakes. Kyle Lutz says, when are we getting 1982 DVOA? The answer is uh, probably June. Oh, cool. We should have 1981 and 1982 uh, as projects for me for this offseason. And all that, you're going to have playoff DVA too, because you have the crazy playoffs. We have all the playoffs. Playoff DVOA should be added to FO Plus by the time we hit the 2021 playoffs. Awesome. Oh, fun. Yes, you have crazy playoffs from 1982. Yes. All right, let's see if we can go quickly through three more of games that we were already hit two o'clock. But let's let's are we all first of all are we all on Tampa Bay minus three? Yeah. Oh God, yes. That's, that's yeah. it. Okay. Yes, I may actually bet on that one. I might take it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, Minnesota at San Francisco. This is by far the biggest game for the playoff odds by far because the NFC is so tight and both of these games are better 
than uh, both these teams are better than their records by DVOA. Vikings make the playoffs 80% of the times when they win, 41% with a loss. 49ers make the playoffs 75% with a win, 34% with a loss. And the shocker here is the Vikings offense in DVOA is second passing and 29th running, which sounds crazy because Dalvin Cook is still putting up big fantasy football numbers, but they've been really inefficient running the ball. And the 49ers defense is much better against the run than the pass. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is second in DYAR right now behind Brady. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, it's, I agree. It's the biggest game of the week as far as, you know, well, obviously the math tells you right here and, and, and common sense tells you this is basically a wild card game here in week 12, whatever it is. Um, and I'm really liking the Vikings right now. Um, there was nothing Green Bay could do. It's cousins, but it's also Jefferson and Thielen. Yes, um, Jefferson. So it's, it's, it's the combo of all of them. And, and, and you know, cousins is the guy who, who's, Advanced numbers are always much better than his reputation, which, frankly, Garoppolo is in that camp, I think, as well. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I think the Vikings have been a better team this year. Um, I think they're playing better right now. San Francisco is getting this done with uh, the usual cast of backups at running back, and who, it doesn't matter who they stick in there. He gets big plays. And they've turned Debo Samuel into some kind of <laughs> World War II multi-purpose threat, um, positionless um, – he, he's a he if he was in college he'd be winning the heisman trophy right because he's doing a little <laughs> bit of everything um but that 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 strikes me as a way that it's it strikes me as gimmicky and it's not the kind of thing you can win with week in and week out um i i don't know what the line is here but my my gut reaction tells me san francisco by three okay I'm, I'm taking the vikings and the points for sure Ooh, i think i actually really like this 49ers team i think you know, I think you said it at the top, Aaron, like they are better than their record. And I think even if they lose this game, I still think they have a decent shot at making the playoffs. Um, but this game in particular, like so much of San Francisco's success recently, in part because of some of the injuries that they've had, is they've been insane on like third down with Jimmy Garoppolo, which yes. to me does not feel yep. sustainable mm. in a mm-hmm. general sense. It feels very not sustainable against Mike Zimmer, who is just <laughs> there's nobody who makes who creates better pressures on third down. There's just not. Like he's the, he's the mastermind, and I, I think San Francisco's offensive line is not in a particularly great spot right now. I think you I think know, right, is out, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and like their right guard is not very good. Like I think other than Trent Williams, that that line is a little bit iffy to me. So I think Zimmer is going to be able to just hammer um, Garoppolo and stuff. And you, you're really banking on um, this defense or the the Forty ers offense being really really good on first and second down. And I think with a iffy offensive line to me running back problems like i don't know it just doesn't feel like a great matchup for for san francisco they kind of just feel like a worse version of the vikings vikings have some defensive line issues right now they yeah do. that's true Griffin having a situation where we're not really uh know what's going on and the run stuffer whose name is eluding me has covid is on the covid pierce program. or uh, tomlinson tomlinson and he could return so but that's a question there one thing you pointed out earlier, and you were really talking about the Bills, Aaron, on, on Twitter, is that the Vikings are the most consistent. Yes, the Bills are the least consistent team in the league. The Vikings are the most consistent team. Yeah, that, that, that scans for me because it's that same thing every week, and it's whether you win or lose. Yeah, you beat the Packers, but the Packers make a bunch of mistakes. They drop some interceptions, et cetera. You get the win on that game. So 
I, I don't trust either team, but yeah. if I'm getting the Vikings and I'm getting points and I know what flavor of vanilla they're giving me, I'm going to lean in their direction. So uh, so I would take Minnesota in the points. Vince has Minnesota in the points. Derek, are you on Minnesota or you think San Francisco minus three? Truthfully, I wouldn't bet on this one if, if it were me, but I would probably lean Minnesota barely, like 55 to 45%. I think that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, L.A. Rams at Green Bay at 4 p.m. Rams make the playoffs 94% of the time with a win, 76% with a loss. Packers are pretty much in either way. If they win this game, they're at 99.7%. This game line is now Pick'em, and the FO Plus line is is pickup yeah this is a very important game for green bay la i think is going to be the top wild card team in the fifth seed no matter what unless they can beat arizona and get some help later so la's playoff destiny is already set they think they, they, i feel like i know what they're gonna be doing week one of the playoffs the key is for the division leaders in the nfc to not be the fourth seed and thus avoid la in the playoffs and get those oh. other weaker sisters the, the the saints and the panthers and the vikings and the niners all those teams so it's a big game for Green Bay. Um, that doesn't tell me much about who's going to win, <laughs> who I'm leaning towards, but it, it, there's a lot more at stake for them, I think. Rams look so much better on paper right now. I worry about Rodgers' toe. Yes. Right, the Rams are higher in DVOA, but they're partly higher in DVOA because the Packers week one, and they're partly higher because the Jordan Love game. And if you took those two things out, they'd be equal. But I'm kind of worried about Rodgers' toe, right? He didn't look right last week. Rodgers' toe. I'm worried about who's going to cover number two receiver there because they're out yeah, the of guys. I worry about El Eldon Jenkins' injury on the line with Bakhtiari not back. I'm just looking yep. around the rest of that roster there and saying, if, yeah, you're right. If Rodgers' toe is bothering him to a degree and he's not at Superman level mode, I don't know how they win a game. I mean, he was still number one in DYAR last week, but he didn't look right. Right. I think he looked less mobile, but he made about seven throws that it, only <laughs> he can make. So I, I thought, yeah. honestly, Rodgers looked fine. and I would, I would rather have him have a bad toe than a bad finger. Well, yes. Yeah. It's true. So. <laughs> um, I don't know. This one, I, I mean, I understand why it's pick'em. I, I almost want to lean the Packers because of hmm. uh, the defensive line situation that they have. Like Kenny Clark. He is in the backfield every freaking play. And I think we saw against the Titans with the Rams, like their weakest issue, I think, right now on offense is the interior offensive line. And if you're going to have a guy like Kenny Clark who can just put a car bomb into Matt Stafford's lap every play, they're going to have problems because they, they proved that, you know, against the Titans, they didn't really have an answer for that. And maybe McVay does now. But like, I don't know. I think that's going to be the biggest issue here um, on either side of the ball for either team. I think Aaron Donald is going to be a car bomb with all the injuries on the offensive line. That's, yep. that's true. Yeah. That's the thing. So yeah. car bomb there, you know. Not to mention that the Elton the Elton Jenkins thing is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Because now mm -hmm. left tackle, I don't know who plays left tackle for them now, but right. it's a problem. Um yeah, I'm, so I would pick Rams. the Rams. Yeah. I'm going Rams. I'm gonna go pack. I will also go Rams. I don't feel good about it, but <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't put money on this one. I wouldn't yeah, put money I, on this I, one. I'm not touching this, no chance. And the last one we want to talk about is Cleveland at Baltimore. That's the night game. Browns make the playoffs in 56% of Sims when they win, 21% when they lose. Ravens, 92% when they win, 70% when they lose. 
Surprisingly, these teams are pretty close in DVOA. Cleveland's now 17th. They fell so much after that Patriots game. Baltimore's now 15th, but, of course, that includes a game with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. Uh, Derek, tell me about the Cleveland Browns offense right now. Baker is not good. I mean, <laughs> he. I do think he's like generally better than he's playing right now because mm-hmm. I do think the injuries are bothering him. You can see in the way he throws. His footwork is probably the worst in the league at the position. It's really, really bad. Um, but he's just not playing really well right now. Um, I think some of the running back issues that they've had with injuries have also hurt them because, you know, like yeah. we talked about with the Colts, like they built, they, they built this plane to have the running backs do the job for the offense and then play action off of that. And when you don't have those guys at running back yet, that threat is not there. It's harder for the offense to function as a whole. I also just don't really like their receivers all that much. I think Donovan people Jones is nice, but mm-hmm. he's not Odell Beckham. And I know that like that connection didn't really work, but like he just doesn't separate the way that Odell Beckham could. And I think yeah. that's an issue. Um, so I don't know. They just kind of have problems all over outside of offensive line to me. It's so much 13 personnel and 22 yeah. personnel. And how can we set this screen and how can we set this boot pass? And it's like, that's fine for beating the Jaguars. You know, that's fine for out-muscling people on your offensive line. And they're not particularly strong on defense either. They look great against the Lions. Lions had a fifth-string quarterback out there. So, The problem is, and I hate to say this, the Ravens' defense sucks. (laughs) Well, it it does, but because I I, I just looked this up here. The Ravens' defense sucks. It is 27th overall, but that includes 27th against the pass, but 6th against the rush. Hmm. So this is Cleveland we're talking about, so that matters more. Um, and I, I don't think this is necessarily a great Ravens team, no. but I think they're better than Cleveland, and I think they're a bad matchup for Cleveland. Um, yeah. So I, 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 do we mention what the line is? We, uh, the I, I think line is Ravens by four. I think, too, with like the Ravens pass defense the Ravens. thing, they are not a very good pass defense right now, but that also necessitates a quarterback being able to take advantage of it. And I just yes. you can't pick up Averett if you can't find Averett, I guess. Yeah, like I just I don't know. I don't trust Baker to do that right now. I, I mean, yeah. even to, to Mike's point, like a lot of their stuff is like we got to set up this screen, this rollout, this you know play action thing, and also like their basic dropback stuff. Like all they can do is go to empty and pray to God that he throws the speed out. Like that's all they got. They they just don't have a dropback game, and I think that's going to be a problem. Right. So what I, I would actually favor the Browns with the plus four. I favor the Ravens overall to win the game. But I think with the four points, I would go Cleveland. Plus four makes it enticing because we were talking about Justin Tucker and the uh, the message board really went crazy with some Justin Tucker facts, which was awesome. But this feels like one of those games where it's like, oh, yeah, 26-23 because he kicked the 48-yarder at the end. Well, it was old that could be. That Ravens could be. wins. Yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with the Ravens, but I see your point. I think I'm also going to roll Ravens. I might look for some money line bets on this because I'm not going to bet on the Browns to cover with only four points. <laughs> All right, guys, that does it for our big show. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, we really appreciate and everybody's watched throughout the season. Thank you. That's my Thanksgiving thank you is to everybody who's watched this show and listened to the podcast. And again, like, please go on social media, tell your friends to watch our show and listen to our podcast. We want to get as much good conversation going in the discussion during the show as possible. We really love the questions that we get. Uh, You know, one o'clock Eastern every day, just let folks know. Thanks again to everybody. Uh, Thank you to Mike, Vint, and Derek for joining me for today's show. 
Uh, thank you to all of watching. Don't forget about the FO Plus the special deal, 99 cents a week for an annual subscription. Get all Scott's scratch, great fantasy projections. Get all the DVOA splits. Get the picks against the spread. Then you can find out that the line for the Rams and the Packers is pick them, and our prediction is pick them. And uh, we just uh, – everybody have a really good Thanksgiving and enjoy the football and enjoy week 12. We'll be off Thursday and Friday, and I will be back Monday with Ian O'Connor at 1 o'clock to break down week 12. So long, all.